0: Welcome to the, we are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all around hiring guru. And I'm so very glad that you're joining us this morning for this very special episode. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Michael Ditton, creator of the goal setting basics course author of Dreams, Goals, and Adventures, and founder and CEO of Helios Capital Investments. Michael believes that hard work gets results, and it's okay to dream. Michael's goal is to provide enough material, thought-provoking ideas, inspiration, and guidance to help you to accomplishing the dreams and goals you have set. So welcome to the show today, Michael. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Aloha, and thank you. Thank you for having me
0: aloha now why do you always say aloha that's kind of like your signature opening
1: well uh, aloha means so much uh it's not just hello and goodbye but um it's a uh you know it's just friendly and i i i went to hawaii probably when i was eight years old my first time and then just continued going back and then my wife and I, we were married there, we lived there and it's just in my blood. And uh, she actually jokes around sometimes. She thinks in my past life, I was probably uh, a Hawaiian. Um, so
0: <laughs> it, it truly
1: is in my blood.
0: So I love that. It comes
1: naturally, yeah.
0: I, I love how there's like things we can try on that just feel so natural to us and roll with it. And, and I will say that, you know, I have one other person that always says aloha to me and it just always makes me kind of go, Aw, makes
1: me feel good, so. Well, you you know, it's funny, it's quite contagious too. Um, A lot of times my wife and I, we do retreats and and, uh, workshops and that. And because of, in our teaching, we normally open with an aloha song and and we talk aloha and uh, you know we really talk about it. And by the conclusion of our events, it's not uncommon to have at least 50 to 75% of the people saying aloha, pretty (laughs) common. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's yeah. incredible. You just start this whole trend, right? Like everybody says aloha now. So every now and then I'll say hola. Uh-huh. But that doesn't well, I lived in Well,
1: Mexi- I-, I lived in Mexico for many years, so that was, uh, that was common as well.
0: Do you speak Spanish? A little bit. Do you? You know, I'm yeah. ashamed to say that I took two years of Spanish in high school, and the only things I can remember, and let's we'll see if you know what these means, hola, como esta? Got that one. <laughs> do you know what that means
1: Cayete is like uh is it supposed to be like sit
0: no it means shut up we heard that oh, from the teacher a lot
1: yeah uh, i think it's siete to say say i think is sit i uh, i i'm i'm not i'm not very <laughs> fluent i'm dangerous uh, <laughs> when i get down to mexico after being there for a little bit i become more fluent and then i go away for six 12 months and i become less fluent so
0: the importance of language right of our words they mean things so yes so one of the questions that i always like to start the podcast with because i think it's so important to illustrate the connections that we make in our lives is how did we get connected
1: well dear friend of mine Berta. Uh, apparently is a dear friend of yours as well. And Berta is this great matchmaker, uh, and she's done it repeatedly for me, and I'm sure she's probably done the same for you. When she has two people that are in her life that she wants to share with other people, that's what she does, and she's great at that. Uh, so over over the last two or three years, as long as I've known her, she's. Um, she has paired me up with some very, very wonderful people, and you are one of the most recent ones.
0: Well, thank you very much, yeah. Berta Medina has been, and, and you know, I like to think that I'm her very dear friend. I don't know if maybe she makes everybody feel that way, but I feel like I am. She does. And, I, and I'm gonna keep myself in that little bubble, you know, of, of yeah. believing that I am her dear friend, but I think I am. Cause she'll send me about one to two introductions every month, you know, and she's been doing this for years, you being one of them. In fact, I just had a conversation with somebody earlier today and I was like, how do we get connected? Oh yeah, Berta. And I'm like, wait, I'm talking to somebody that I got connected to through Berta today. So she gets quite a few shout outs on the podcast because she knows really good quality people. So I know this conversation is going to be amazing today. I really enjoyed it when we had our intro conversation and I can't wait to hear what comes out during this one.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: So, all right, so tell me a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to start helping people to when it comes to goal setting.
1: Well, goal setting for me has been a big part of my life. uh, As you know, I started at eight years old as a young entrepreneur and I didn't even realize goals and, and dreams and all that were part of my life until later on in life, but they did play a role in everything I did. Uh, at eight years old, I, I, you know, I grew vegetables in the family backyard. Uh, loaded them up in the red wagon, took them around door to door selling them. And not only did I leave with a, a wagon full of vegetables, but I came back with pockets full of money. And some of those folks that I I talked to, there was a retirement community behind us. They got fresh vegetables from this cute kid delivered straight to their door, uh, homegrown for next to nothing. And the relationships that I built, even pre-teens, was was incredible. So as I went on through this, I I realized that I like making people happy. And, you know, when I did things that make people happy, and especially when I was, you know, making myself happy at the same time, that was something that I really enjoyed. And as time went on trying to figure out what life was, because between eight and 18, you know, a lot of things happen, um, I finally found my way into sales. And I truly believe if you're a salesperson that's selling something that you believe in, you're doing somebody uh, a a great service. And I got involved in sales at uh, probably 19 years old. And it's been, that's kind of been my whole life. And everybody that I've worked with, i had something that they needed and brought value to their life so from you know selling vegetables as a kid to selling other products and and ultimately getting into real estate and now i I help on a different level i have many different hats that i wear you've mentioned a bunch of them one of my main one is real estate investments and i work a lot with the investors and the investors i work with they have needs, wants, desires, dreams, goals of the things that they wanna do, but maybe they're in a profession that doesn't allow them to devote as much time to doing those things. So when they pair up with a guy like me who has a passion for it, uh, we normally make a good combination and we are able to get things done. So um, it's kind of where where I started and how I got to here.
0: I love that you said that you tend to get behind selling what you believe in. Oh yeah. I think that's huge. Cause I think, I think that's what separates the kind of used car salesman from, I don't want to say the new car salesman, but the people that are not just selling a product, but they're actually out there to help people. You know, I think an example of that would be like as a recruiter, you know, I truly like you love people and Mm -hmm. I only want the best for them. And so for and i just had this conversation with a candidate earlier and he was like casey what's the right decision to make because he's getting multiple offers from our clients and i'm like i can't make that right i can't tell you what the right decision is for you you've got to figure that out but what i can tell you is all the different things and one of the clients that really really wants him i know they happen to not have a really good work-life balance and if mm. i were not the recruiter that i am if i were not a good recruiter i might not have shared that information with him
1: right But I did. But you ultimately want to best for him. Even though you're serving both, you're serving everybody um, in your right mind, that is what is ultimately best.
0: Absolutely. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, this affects me for a paycheck. This could affect him for years. And I don't want him going to a job he hates every day and then thinking, I hate my recruiter because I put him in a bad situation.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and in that case, it actually is more than just a paycheck for you, because if you do that, then it's something that lasts with you for years as well.
0: Very true. I would feel horrible yeah. about it. I I tell everybody yeah. all the time, I do not want to put you in a job where you hate your life because then I would hate mine. I, I can't do that. Life I can't is, make people unhappy. Yeah.
1: Life is, life is too short.
0: It is absolutely too short. So you said something earlier um, that I wanted to kind of touch on because you talk a lot about dreams versus goals. So... Mm-hmm. In your opinion, what is the core difference between dreams and goals?
1: Well, the core difference is if you have a dream, you typically have some form of plan or goal in order to accomplish it. You don't have to have it on the flip side. If you have a goal, you don't have to necessarily have a dream to accomplish a goal, Mm -hmm. but they always happen to tie together. if your goal is to earn enough money to go on a vacation well is that vacation a dream you know yeah. or it was it a dream to go on a a dream vacation and you set the goal to earn the money to do this in six months or whatever it might be so they really tie together i i don't know that i would say that there's a major difference other than you know dreams are something out there that you've got to have some form of plan or goal in order to accomplish if if they truly are something that's true to your heart. Um, a goal, you don't have to necessarily have that dream to accomplish the goal. Cause you know, the goal could be something as simple as, you know, meeting somebody during during an event or something. Maybe they turn out to be your dream person. You never know, but...
0: <laughs> Could be my dream guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, you never know, so hey.
0: That's awesome. Um, yeah, So, but I, I
1: believe in both of them.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I do too, I think dreams are huge. So a question for you that just came up to me because I'm a big vision board kind of girl. Mm-hmm. I love to do a vision board every year. Um, and, and I do a smaller one every quarter that I can carry around with me, right? It's not the big I'll cut all the pictures out of the you know magazines and yep. make it all fancy. It's just handwritten so I can carry it. Do you feel like when you're doing a vision board, is that dreaming or is that goal setting?
1: it is. You know, again, I'll go back to one of my very first uh, vision boards. And and this one you'll you'll probably relate to a little bit. Uh, You remember Patrick Swayze and the movie Roadhouse?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, Patrick had a 560 Mercedes, and I absolutely loved that car. Just absolutely loved it. So I went and I cut a picture of a 560 out, and I put it up on my wall. The problem was I was in real estate back then and it was a two door and it didn't make sense in real estate world. So I ended up with the 420, which was a four door. So I actually set the dream to have the Mercedes that I really love. The goal that got me there, which was much more realistic. And I know we, we kind of talked about smart goals was to have the four door versus the two door. So I ended up achieving the goal and achieving the dream.
0: Very nice. Very nice. So, okay. So let's focus on goals for just a minute. Cause I think, um, when you and I talked and I think everybody who's listened to at least one of these podcasts knows that I am a huge goal setter, firm believer in goals, writing them down, checking them off and checking back in with them. Don't just write them down and forget about them. Although your subconscious never truly forgets about them, but reviewing them and going back to them. So in your opinion, so is it when it comes to your career goal setting for your career is it more important to set short-term goals or long-term goals
1: that's another yes (laughs) and and the reason is is if you have long term you have to have short term in order to get there Mm -hmm. Uh, like that vacation i was just talking about six months from now i want to tour europe for 30 days Well, what do I need to do between now and then to make that happen? So that six month or 12 month goal is down the road, but I need to have a plan and I need to have those short-term goals to save the money, to make the plane reservations, to look up the places I'm gonna stay, um, check out the places I wanna go to and explore and adventure. So they both again, go hand in hand. So I think short-term and long-term, whether it's business or pleasure, they always go hand in hand because, you know, as we go through life, we talk about, you know, what do we want to do in our retirement years? Well, that's a long ways down the road. Well, hopefully it is hopefully. For, for a lot of us, yeah. <laughs> well, you've got the long-term, but you have to think about what you're doing today to accomplish that long-term. So they always, in my opinion, go hand in hand.
0: You know, I, I definitely agree with you. And when I'm doing my goal setting, so I break mine up into three categories. And I don't know if I shared this with you before but I have my long-term goals, which is, as I define it, is anything 90 days plus. And that could be a year that could be retirement, right? But that is a long-term goal. And then I have my short-term goals, which are my 30 to 90 days. And then Mm -hmm. I have my micro goals, which are anything that are less than 30 days. And what I find, because I always start with my long-term goals first, that my short-term supports my long-term, my micros Mm -hmm. support my short-term but sometimes, not always, they do stand alone.
1: Yeah, um, I was actually just trying to think of something where it does stand alone. But um, I think the shorter term goal has a more likelihood of standing alone than a long-term because a long-term goal, you don't just put it out there and not do anything and hope the mm-hmm. universe delivers. But a short-term goal could be something that you wanna to accomplish today, tomorrow, this week, what have you. and you might not have to have the same setup that you do for the long-term goal. So I, I, I fully agree with that.
0: Yeah, I was think so I would think like an example of a short-term goal for me was um, getting my, when I launched my personal brand website, you know, I had a specific timeline for that and there was a finite end date, you know, website went live. And that was about mm-hmm. a 60-day um, turnaround on that. So for me, of course, that, that short-term played into a much bigger plan and goal, but just getting that website live was a biggie and it was a short-term goal, oh, yeah. so.
1: Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: so well, here, congrats. Here recently, thank you, here recently, mm-hmm. you know, I've, like I said, I map out my goals every quarter, long, short, micro, and here recently, I've had something added to my plate that's kind of derailed my goals, um, and I don't wanna give this one up, but I gotta focus on this one too. So what? how can one find the drive to refocus back on their goals after, I don't wanna say a significant setback, but it could be a setback, but it also could be something where something pulls your attention away in another direction.
1: Yeah, that's called life. Um, <laughs> And, and w- we have to adjust. I mean, if, you, if you're so set on something, you're not gonna accomplish anything. So um, in sailing terms, because I'm, I'm a sailor and I spent many, many, many years out on the water, it's called tacking. Um, I it's don't know- It's called what, I'm sorry? Tacking. Tacking. Tack. Yeah, tack and jibe. Yeah, tack oh. is more common than jibe. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a sailing term. Okay. But basically, so if you have a point A, and where you're at and you wanna get to that point A and you're going along and then all of a sudden the conditions are no longer favorable. Maybe the wind is right on the nose, maybe the swell or surfs come up or what have you. And you know, you could probably still get there and you're just gonna get your butt kicked the whole way and it's gonna end up taking longer. So if you tack and you fall off just a little bit, you'll actually do better with wind speed and comfort and everything else. And then you can tack again and still ultimately make the same destination with less wear and tear on your body and your mind, and chances are you might even make better time. The cool thing about the adjustments are, and this I think this is kind of what you're talking about, derailing, is sometimes those adjustments happen for a reason, so your end result might actually be different, but it's supposed to be. So you tack, and then you tack again to go to your destination, but you find that now you're, course has changed a little bit because now you could probably still get there, but you know, you might be on a different course and it's probably intended. And a lot of times we, we put up a resistance to, Mm -hmm. Oh no, I'm supposed to do this. No, I'm supposed to do this. But quite honestly, it it's there. It's probably happening that way for a reason. Um, so I I'm a true believer in adjusting and adapting or, or tacking and, and just kind of going with the flow. And, the most important thing about all of that is sometimes we get so wrapped up in either the head on or, you know, the adjusting that we forget to enjoy the journey mm. and more, so more amazing. oftentimes, Yeah. More often than not. It's probably as if not more important than the destination.
0: Those are such true words and I'm so glad, you know what, that was the message I needed to hear today. Thanks. End of, sh- end of show.
1: All <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll just cut this one short.
0: Yeah, no, I, and I'm yeah. so gonna use that term tacking like as I'm mentoring and coaching other people because I think that gives a very clear picture. And I've also, there's a, I can't remember how the saying goes, maybe you remember this, but it, it, it has to do with sailing and it says it only takes one degree change to change your entire destination. Something yes. like that, that's well, not you, right.
1: And if you, and for those that are listening or or watching, what that means is I'm going to use Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So you take off from the mainland of the United States towards Hawaii, and you have to go at Hawaii. Now forget all the conditions and winds and everything else, but you know to get from here to there, you're going to be on a heading. Well, if you think about going two or 3,000 miles and being one degree off on that heading, how far off you're going to be by the time you get there? Yeah. It's it's monumental. So and and some people are afraid of that, but some people welcome it. Uh, again, if you know, unless unless it's just a oops, um, it's probably the universe saying that there's a, a, another you know another intention for you.
0: Well, I think the universe just shifted me one degree, just so everybody knows. So yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, what?
1: Well, em- embrace it. You know, yeah. um, whatever it was you were doing is not gone, dead, buried, anything else. But the thing that you're, looks like the direction you're going to be going, you don't know. Maybe you don't know exactly why. Maybe, maybe you do, and there's some resistance to it because it's change. I mean, we're human. We do all kinds of weird stuff. But if you don't try it, you'll never know
0: so true and and i love that you you brought this up a couple of times the resistance you know Mm -hmm. and sometimes you need that resistance but i think it's good to really face that resistance and ask yourself why you're having it
1: yeah resistance and fear if you think about them they're built in for a reason you know the fear is hey dummy you've done it before and you get stung so let's make sure we don't do it again or Mm-hmm. Uh, the fear of uncertainty of something that you're going to be doing. So it's it's like okay, just think about it. Now, if it gets to a point where it stops you from living life or stops you from doing things, then you need to do more than just think about it. You need to, you know, you need to talk to somebody and see how you can manage to get through it because you don't want to be that afraid of something. But that resistance is kind of the same thing. That's more of an ego or personal thing, but it's there for a reason. So you want to pay attention to it, but you don't want it to derail. And if you even think that, you know, the resistance is there for a reason, there's ways to go about it, you know, priorities, you know, this is a priority versus this, uh, which one is higher up or pros and cons, the old get out a piece of paper and write it down or Mm -hmm. whatever the case might be. There's ways of working through it. So
0: I, I love that you just said the old fashioned way of getting out the pros and cons. Do you know, to this day, I still tell my candidates when they're comparing jobs to make a list of the pros and cons. Like Absolutely. right after they interview, I want it to be fresh on your mind and we talk through mm-hmm. it, but I want you to write it down in case you haven't noticed, I'm a big proponent and writing things down. Absolutely. There's magic yeah, that something,
1: something you said about, you know, writing it down and subconsciously sticking and it, it does. But if you think about it, you followed it up and you didn't tie the two together. And I don't know if anybody else caught it, but you could write it down and it's better than just putting it out into the universe verbally. So that is an improvement. But where your subconscious truly kicks in is when it becomes repetitive, you're writing it down or reviewing it on more of it. And you did say that, um, you just said it, there were like two different conversations going on at the same time. Once you start to review something more and more, it it's just ingrained into your mm-hmm. brain, into your body and it's ingrained. So another, and if you wanna take it a step further than that is share with somebody that you know, love and trust who can support you, your, Dreams, goals, desires, what have you, and that level of accountability will also keep you keep you on the straight
0: and narrow as well. I could not agree more. I think that that is, you know, and some people do those kind of things naturally, but many people don't, and especially that accountability piece. People are too afraid to put it out there, and that way, because if they don't do it, they're afraid people are going to think they failed. And I right. don't think that's what that's about. It's about, you know, like for me, if I ever write something down, and for example. Every day, I get up and write down my schedule, right? I have to write it down. If mm-hmm. I write down, I'm going to work out that day, I have to work out. And let me tell you, I hate to work out. <laughs> and I will make every excuse in the world, but if I wrote it down, I'm like, ah, got to do it, you know? So I very carefully, before I write that in my daily schedule, am I really going to do this? Yep. And a lot of times, it doesn't get written down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so. Well, Hey, as long as sometimes it does, I guess you're okay, right?
0: It's it's better now. I have to give a, yeah, a shout out because one of the ladies that used to work here, Sarah Strackhouse, um, she left and she is now doing personal training and um, nutrition. Huh. And I'm proud to say I've invested in myself and I've hired her to be my personal trainer. So yeah. now it doesn't matter if I write it down. She still shows up.
1: Well, and you know, a lot of times, you know, we talk about, you know, how we can do certain things. And coaches, mentors, people that do what they love and they're a great source of information or inspiration, um, those are how you can overcome something that may not be as, you know, the same for you as it is for them. So, you know, you know, it's something you wanted to do, you didn't particularly care to do it, and you've got this great person that you know, like, and trust who, Um, is doing what she's obviously loving, and Mm -hmm. now it's helping you. It's kind of infectious.
0: Yeah, it really is. And it it just, it makes me want to do better because Mm -hmm. when she looks at my nutrition diary and she goes, good job, I'm like, yes. Nice. (laughs) I love that. I love for people to say good job. That's all, you, you would never have to pay me. Don't tell my bosses that. All you gotta do is say good job and I am fulfilled. You know,
1: yeah, nice. Nice. And it's it's just it's nice to hear.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't happen very often. So you mentioned smart goals earlier. So, Mm -hmm. should you use the smart goal um, method every time you set a goal?
1: That one I'm going to go with a a yes and no. (laughs) And the only reason I say no is, you know, when somebody says, "Should I use a smart goal?" To me, that means physically taking the S M A R T. You know, uh, specific, measurable, attainable. Um, you know, uh, uh, relative. Re- yeah, or yeah, relative, and in a time fashion, and literally breaking it down so that it's it's all part of that. So yes, it's best if you do that. But a lot of times, once you become this goal setter, that you you know you and I probably practice a lot more than some other folks do you don't actually have to spell it out to know you know is it is it this is it this is it this so you don't physically have to do it because it's already programmed into your brain to know whether it is attainable and if it can and and we know that we need to have a time on it whether it's in, imposed on us or something that we put on it so you know, yes, it is great to do every single time, but you'll find if you get into a condition of doing more and more of the smart goals, you can use the smart a lot less because it's just gonna it's gonna cycle through your brain.
0: I, I agree, and it's really whenever I set a goal now, of course, usually I use a very specific format that I designed. Yes, I did that. I did yeah. that. Nice, <laughs> um, but it's 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 very natural now because I've been doing it for so long and I know exactly what I need to do. And honestly, my goals, the long-term goals haven't changed as much lately because they've been pretty big goals, those big, hairy, audacious goals that we talk about, the BHAGs, but it's the the short-term and the um, micro goals to get to the next point in the long-term has changed. So, okay, really quickly, tell us a little bit about your book, dreams, goals, and adventures.
1: Dreams, goals, and adventures. I wrote that to inspire people never to lose sight of their dreams. And how this came about, I I, ha- I was very blessed and I had a very successful young career. And I got to the point where I wanted to live life a little. I was doing that uh, seven days a week, 18 hours a day. And, and even though I was loving life, I and still getting some vacation time, I really wanted to go out and experience life a little bit more. So my then wife and I, I've I've since divorced and remarried, we decided that we wanted to go out and see the world. And the way we wanted to see the world is um, we decided it was gonna be on a boat. So we put a big map up on a wall, very similar to that one over there. Uh, We put a bunch of pins in it, places we wanna go, uh, things we wanna do what have you. The day came where, you know, that was a five-year plan that took seven years, compliments of some things that kind of got thrown in, you know, monkey wrenches. But in 2007, we took off to sail around the world. And we were going to take off for 10, 15 years. And we got down into Mexico. And I was at an anchorage in a little place called La Cruz de Juana And being the type of person that I am, always wanting to give back and share, I'm sitting there just realizing how blessed I am. I have cut all the ties. I've sold everything. I've semi-retired. I'm gonna go sailing for the next five, 10, 15 years. And I'm truly feeling blessed. So how can I take that and share with everybody, you know, the gifts that I've learned over the years so that they can make their dreams and goals attainable? So I first started writing and this was in 2007, end of 2007, beginning of 2008, before a lot of things started to change. I started writing a book called from broke to retired in 10 years and my goal was to share the knowledge that i had gained especially in real estate and real estate investing but on some other things as well you know i work a lot with um you know saving money um i work a lot you know all the things that it takes to take off and go sailing for 15 years so i started to write this book and then 2008 happened And, you know, when the economy started changing the real estate market, the mortgages and people losing their jobs and uh, losing, you know losing their homes and everything else I realized pretty quick, me talking about how they can take their extra income and do this with it or buy this real estate and do that with it and everything else was gonna be a total flop and failure because (laughs) people were, they were more worried about, you know, living you know, keeping their jobs, keeping their homes, surviving. But I wanted to still do something. And while I sat there in my cockpit, it just it just morphed. And the way it morphed was, you know, a, a series of short stories that are inspirational to encourage people never to give up, never to lose sight of their dreams. Because in one of these stories, I talked about coming back from Desert Storm. And I, too, had been in a position that most people in that time frame were starting to find themselves in. And when I felt I wasn't worthy, when I felt that I wasn't able to, you know, I was divorced, bankrupt, uh, I didn't have a job, I didn't have hopes of a job, in fact, I went out and filed for unemployment. And here's a service member coming back off of seven months of active duty asking for help, I was denied. And. It was, it was just a bad time of life for me. And quite honestly, I wasn't quite sure why I should even bother going on. And fortunately for me, when I was 17 years old, I had set some pretty lofty goals. By the time I hit 35, I wanted to be retired, or at least in a position I could if I wanted to. I knew I would never retire because I just I don't stand still very well. And the dreams and goals that I had back then, I had put up on a shelf because of what life had dealt me. And I didn't think I was worthy of them. But quite honestly, it was pulling those dreams and goals down off the shelf, dusting them off. It gave me something to look forward to, something to work towards. And it's what got me through that most difficult time. So this series of short stories are stories about my life, but they're things that I believe most anybody can relate to. Uh, at the end of each chapter, there's a little aha moment, or you know, something that kind of keeps it in that inspirational, inspirational, thought-provoking type uh, process. And um, it's quite honestly, I think it's just a, a, a you know, I'm, I'm I'm a little bit prejudiced, but I just think it's a great little book, and and so far, I haven't had any complaints.
0: Well, I tell you what, I I want to say thank you for being vulnerable because I know it's not easy to share our failures sometimes. And especially when you're sitting there going, why am I here? And for you to be vulnerable enough to share that, I really appreciate that. So thank you today for that.
1: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, anything I can share plus or minus that can help make uh, a difference in somebody's life, that's my true passion and mission in life.
0: You know, and I love that I attract people like you into my universe because those are the kind of people I like to be around for sure. So all right, before I let you go, I've got to get to our VIP questions and I'm going to be very curious to see how you answer these. So are you ready?
1: Sure. Fire away.
0: Okay. if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? And I'm betting a sailboat's not going to fit.
1: No, um, besides that, adventure's over. So let's go to a new one. Okay. I got, I got, bit, I got new dreams and adventures. Um, first and foremost, uh, it wouldn't be worth going and doing anything without my beautiful wife Crystal by my side. Uh, it just, you know, she is the love of my life. She is my soulmate, my spirit mate, my partner in business, my partner in crime, my partner in everything else. And um, it, she would, she would be number one at the top of the list. So, um, as far as being one of the first colonists i don't know whether the question would have the colonists already established or if you have to establish but there's two things that are well, I'm really gonna interrupt
0: important. you and i'm going to use your words for a second yes
1: okay okay <laughs> okay but one of the there's two things that are very important whether it's established or not and to me um drinkable water so I would want to make sure that somehow, some way, there was a never-ending supply of drinkable water because there's a couple things that you need to survive and good water is one of them.
0: I guess we could just so run a garden hose from Earth.
1: Yeah, yeah, hey, well, it depends on where you're getting the water from.
0: True. Very true. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, my water here smells, the chlorine smell is greater than the pool.
0: Oh. Um,
1: so, yeah. And then, you know, I'm also, I love, I, I, I got it from my mom, a green thumb, you know, growing vegetables and, and in the garden and everything else. Not only would I have a blast doing it, but if I had, uh, you know, an array of different types of seeds, veg, all different types of vegetables, plants, all that other stuff that we could grow, whether it's established or needs to be established or anything else, um, you know, my wife water and, you know, a, a good smattering of seeds and I'd be set.
0: Very nice, very nice. Yeah. The, most of those answers are unique. The the wife not so much. Sorry, everybody wants to take the wife. So,
1: yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, not everybody.
0: You, not everybody. True. <laughs> okay. Okay. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success?
1: It's kind of one thing that's many. Um, you talked a little bit about how you do yours as well. So every morning I have about a two hour window where I line up my day, it's my morning routine. Mm -hmm. And it has different variations, but as far as uh, my meditation, as far as my sitting down and thinking about uh, the micro things that you talked about to get to the short term and then to the long term, um, I have a schedule that I use that I line up every day. I'm not as good as you are at putting something in there knowing that it has to be done if it's written Um, because there are certain things that will go from that day to that day, but it's normally because I've prioritized and everything else. But just starting the day off right with, you know, uh, the water that I drink, the Mm -hmm. meditation that I do. Um, I recently have uh, become a foster for, I went from a no cat house to a seven cat house. yeah that's a lot of work but it it is and that's part of my morning routine now (laughs) but we had a a stray mother out there that was going to give birth and i wanted to have her have a safe place to do that Mm -hmm. so she's downstairs with her four babies um and then we picked up another um uh kitten off the roadside that uh should have been hit by the 20 cars behind me not including myself and she didn't. Uh, we now named her Lucky, and she's in here. And, and earlier or last year, we took in another stray, and she's she actually became ours. So we, we went from zero to one, and then we went from one to seven. So, um, that, they're crazy. part of my morning routine,
0: too. I bet, but i bet they're cute. I bet well, they make you smile.
1: Super cute, super cute. Yep. Um, but yep. Temporarily part of the routine until we find
0: them all homes. Oh, I bet they become foster fails. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm fairly certain Lucky's not going anywhere. And quite honestly, uh, Patches, the mama kitty, um, she's she's so adorable. I don't think she had any human interaction whatsoever until I started working with her in April. And she's just so lovable and beautiful and beautiful, and beautiful eyes and got four beautiful kittens. So she's, uh, she's growing in my... Strings as well, so.
0: <laughs> the animals do that for sure. Okay, my yeah. final question. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be?
1: In short, um, it'd have to be that, you know, not just myself, but my wife and I, because we're, we're partners in this, is that we have the ability to travel unencumbered to share our story to support other people, to share our lessons that we've learned over the years, to help make life easier or different or more supportive to everybody out there who's going through anything. And most importantly is remind them to live life as an adventure and live life on their own terms. you know, we just want to we want to support people in knowing they're not alone. Uh, let them know that they have they're not the only ones that's ever gone through that before, and and just um, share the the insight, wisdom, and knowledge that we've gained. You know, over the years, and and I've I've got a million stories, and I'm sure I can find one that will help just about anybody. So um, that's kind of what I want to do. I just want to I want to share and support and hopefully make somebody's life better.
0: I love that. We need more people yeah. like you in the world for sure. So thank you. How do people find you and how do they find your book?
1: The best and easiest way is um, they can reach me through email. My name, michaelditton at yahoo.com. Um, the book, um, I, I would like to provide you and your staff a link to it because amazon you can go and find it in a lot of places but amazon has still not removed my previous publisher supposedly it's forwarded to my my new publisher but i had some people having trouble finding it so okay. it is available on amazon and, and other things but if i provide you a link if anybody's interested uh they just click on it go straight to them um they can always reach out to me as well and you know i can, you know, a lot of times I have them around the house. If there's somebody within the United States, I can actually sign a copy and kick it out the door to them. Um, If they just want to do it digitally, it is available um, uh, on Amazon and and a couple other sites as well.
0: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we'll be sure and put that link in the uh, show notes for our our audience so that they can access that. Cause I know that a lot of them, they probably really want to have that signed copy. So
1: yeah, and I I have no, Yep, I have no problem doing that. Uh, It just takes a little bit uh, longer to get out the door, but I'm happy to do that.
0: Awesome. Michael, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom and your knowledge with us today. I really appreciate you.
1: Thank you. I, I appreciate you and I appreciate you having me on to do what I love to do, which is talk and share.
0: Anytime. So one last thing I have to say to you, and that is you are a VIP.
1: Awesome, thank you.